Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Good morning. We'll start the message in, uh, in just a few minutes, but um, before we do, I, I feel compelled that we ought to do something else this morning, uh, and that is that we ought to pray. We ought to pray for our nation. We ought to pray for those that are in authority. Uh, before someone goes off track and think, well, you're just doing that because you support one or the other, uh, as far as political parties go, we also did this uh, during the last election. Uh, because the Bible tells us to pray for all those who are in authority. It, it does not say to pray for those that you like. It doesn't say to pray for those that you agree with or pray for those that are just like you. It says pray for those that are in authority. And before you blow up in your heart and you think, but I just can't pray for some of them, I want to remind you at the time the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write those words, Nero was king. <laughs> And, uh, you know, if, if you could be told to pray for Nero, who was persecuting Christians, feeding them to lions, crucifying them, burning them on stakes, uh, then I think we can pray for anyone that's in authority. Amen? No matter which political party it, it might be. Uh, anyway, I want to say that we're to pray for them that we, as believers, might live a quiet, peaceable life. Now, you know, if you've been watching the news, that seems to be threatened a little bit. And, uh, and everything, but that's one of the motivations we have in praying for them, that we may have the type of environment that we need to raise our children, to worship God, uh, and that's why we ought to pray. Uh, so this isn't political at all. Had, had, the, had a different party won, uh, we'd be doing the same thing. Amen? Uh, so join me in prayer, and, uh, and, and let's pray. <clears throat> Father, uh, Lord, we just do pray for those that are in authority. Uh, Father, for whatever political party they, they might be uh, here within our nation. Father, we pray you guide them. We pray you use them. We pray you correct them as necessary. Uh, we pray that you would intervene in such a way that your will would be exercised. Uh, Father, it's not about one party or the other, uh, but it needs to be about you and us obeying what you've commanded us to do. So, Father, we do that. We, we pray for them. We pray that we may... I have a peaceful life, a quiet type life where we can spread the gospel, where we can follow you no matter what storms we might be in. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're doing this series entitled Fearful About Tomorrow because we're entering into a new year uh, and a lot of the current events that's taking place in our world and for some of you in your individual lives, uh, you may have a reason to be fearful about circumstances. Today we're going to specifically talk about storms, and we'll be using a text of Scripture that uh, speaks about a literal storm that the disciples were facing as they were out on a boat. But as we talk about storms today, I want you to think about life storms, or, or storms that you may face in, in your life for various reasons. Um, we had a snowstorm uh, a couple of weeks back, and uh, while that pales compared to the tornadoes that's been taking place uh, last night uh, and, and today, some within our nation. And by the way, we need to be praying for those people also, amen, and all they lost and the dangers that are there. 
But uh, when you face literal storms, there can be some degree of uh, frustration or degree of anxiety or fears that might crop up in your life. Storms can stress you out. Uh, on the, uh, the Friday that the snowstorm was hitting, uh, Jared was at work. And uh, I know Jared's 24 years old now, but he had a, a different vehicle that he got two days earlier. Uh, he had picked up a, a Subaru, which is supposed to go really good uh, in the snow, but he had not had the chance to test it or drive it much or anything like that. So me being an overprotective dad, uh, I decided that I'm going to drive down there to the Pepsi, Pepsi plant where he works at uh, on second shift. And I arrived about probably 10 o'clock that night, and I thought, well, I'll clean his vehicle off, crank it for him, get it warm. Uh, they weren't going to be off, I found out when I got there till about 12. So I decided I'm going to clean every vehicle in the parking lot off for the people that are working. And, uh, and, and I do that uh, while I'm waiting, although I couldn't crank their vehicle. So I turn around and snow would be back on and I go back, try and sweep some more off the windshield. But finally it came time for Jerry to get off. And um, so we took both our vehicles, me driving my Honda Ridgeline, and he followed me. Uh, and it took us an hour to get from Hickory Bridge on 321 to Hudson where we live at. Now, you know that's not normally an hour journey, right? But it was a little bit treacherous that night. And, uh, and that can stress you out, especially I'm thinking, Lord, if one of us wrecks, let it be me with this old pickup, not him with his new vehicle, you know, that he has. And we're just starting up the hill. And as we start up the hill, here comes a, a Nissan Xterra that decides we're going too slow. And he goes blowing by us up the hill. I've already looked ahead. There's somebody off the road this side, somebody off the road that side. And now the Nissan Xterra gets to go off the road also. So he thought he could drive a lot better, but he's spinning around. He hits the road. And I, uh, I just kind of waved at him, went on, think, you know. <laughs> Other two people there, they can help you. They've already ran off the road doing the same thing as you. On the, on the way home, I think we see about six other vehicles that have ran off the road. But every time you meet someone, you're kind of stressed out and have some anxiety. Not because of our vehicles. We were doing fine. It was other no-driving idiots that were out there. They didn't need to be out there. So by the time we get home, I'm stressed. Now, I know that's a minimal storm compared to, like I said, the tornadoes. But literal storms can stress you out. So can, can storms that you face in your life, emotional storms. Life storms, things that hit your life can cause a degree of stress. And what I hope you'll learn today is we kind of draw some truths from this passage of Scripture. I hope you'll learn that you don't have to be paralyzed by fear. You, you can't help being afraid. Matter of fact, fear is a natural reaction a lot of times. So you can't help that, but you can defend against being completely, totally paralyzed by fear. And, and I hope maybe you can learn that as we look at this passage today. Now, we'll read it in just a few minutes, but just to give you the background of the scripture that we're looking at, Jesus had just performed a miracle by taking two fish and five loaves of bread, and he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. All the people really tickled about that. Man, a free meal, you know? And they're wanting to take him, not for the right reason, but for a wrong reason, and put him to be king over them right away. Well, that wasn't God's timing for things. So Jesus takes the disciples. He forces them to get on a boat to head on ahead of him to the other side. Jesus sends all these crowds away. Then Jesus goes up in a mountain to pray. Now, in the middle of the night, while Jesus is up there praying, the disciples are out on this stormy sea, and they are rowing, and they're toiling, and they're trying to make it to the other side. 
and they're probably just about ready to give up. And then they see Jesus walking on the water. They didn't understand it was Jesus to start with. They were afraid to begin with. They cry out in fear. Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. Then Peter thinks, man, if it's you, can I walk out there to be with you on the water? And Jesus asked him to come, and Peter's walking on the water himself. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, but when he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. And then he cries out for help. Jesus gets him by the hand, walks him also over the top of the stormy waves, back to the boat. And the Bible in John's gospel tells us instantly they were at the shore of their destination as soon as they received Jesus and Peter on the boat. So as we look at this story about the disciples of Jesus facing a literal storm on a sea, let's try and gain several assurances we can have in our own lives when we're facing storms in life. Here's assurance number one. Assurance number one is that we need to have faith when we're facing a storm that Jesus may have put you in the storm, may have put us in the storm for a reason. There may be a purpose that Jesus has of placing you, allowing you to go through the storm. In verse 22, it says, immediately he, talking about Jesus, made the disciples, some translations say, constrained them to get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Now, as I said a moment ago, the crowds, for a not unrighteous reason, not really a correct reason, they want to make him king simply because their bellies are full. They're thinking, well, hey, if we follow Jesus around, we don't have to work anymore. We can get this food, that food, this food all the time. So that was their motivation. But you see, Jesus wants more than bread and butter disciples. Amen? I mean, people will follow people when they're told, hey, that group or that individual, they'll meet your material needs. They'll follow them. If they think, man, everything's for free, you know, if we, if we just follow them. But Jesus doesn't want someone to follow him just because you get free stuff. <laughs> Neither does Jesus want fair weather disciples only. He wants disciples that are willing to follow him, even in the storms of life, even when you're facing a lot of difficulties and problems in your life. So we're told that Jesus makes the disciples get in this boat. Now, and I want to draw your attention to a couple things. According to the scripture, Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God in the flesh. That means that Jesus himself is omniscient as God is omniscient. That means that Jesus knew up front that there's going to be a storm on this sea. It didn't catch him by surprise. He didn't put the disciples in a boat, tell them to go to the other side and the storm come up. Jesus said, I, I, man, I didn't see that coming. He knew with foreknowledge that they're going to face this storm out there on the sea, but he constrains them to get into the boat anyway. He forces them to get into the boat. Now, why in the world would he do that? I would suggest to you that Jesus did it intentionally because Jesus understood there'd be a storm, and Jesus knew that he's going to come walking to them on the water, and Jesus knew that he's going to get them out of that storm, and Jesus knew that this storm was going to give him an opportunity to teach his disciples some important lessons. This storm would give Jesus a golden opportunity to increase the faith of his disciples. And, and we'll finish up talking in some detail about Jesus increasing our faith in storms. There's going to be some buzzwords in this message, and I kind of used a different font 
uh, on the PowerPoint just where you'd pick up on that. But maybe we need to tell ourselves this when we're going through storms. You need to tell yourself, Jesus brought me here for a reason. Jesus is allowing you to face that storm for a reason. And we need to remember this. We need to remember we are safer in the storm in God's will than we are avoiding the storm out of God's will. Jonah faced the storm out of God's will because he was running from God. He did not want to go and do at Nineveh what God was telling him to do. So he gets in a storm for a different reason. The disciples are in a storm because they have obeyed God. They're not disobeying God. They have obeyed God, and they are facing a storm. Stop and imagine for a minute the blessing that the disciples would have missed if they had bowed up on Jesus. Remember, some of them were fishermen. Remember that? We're even told in other versions that, hey, it looks like not a good time to get out on the water. They would read the skies. They could understand as fishermen when it looked like maybe a storm was coming. But had they bowed up on Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm sorry, but you're not the fisherman we are. We're not getting in the boat. Look at the blessing they would have missed. They would have missed the blessing of seeing Jesus walk on the water. They would have missed the blessing of seeing Peter step out on faith on the water. They would have missed the blessing of when Peter cried out for help, Jesus reaching his hand out and helping him walk across the water. They would have missed the blessing of Jesus when he got on board. All of a sudden, boom, they're at the shore on the other side. They would have missed all that if they had disobeyed. See, as you look in the Bible, there, there are two main types of storms, I think. There are storms of correction. That's the storm that Jonah was facing in his life. But there are also storms of perfection, where God's wanting to use a storm in our lives to grow us, to perfect us, to, to, to teach us something, to help us be, be more like Him when, when we face those types of storms in, in our lives. Jesus had increased their faith before, by the way. Let me throw this to where it's in our background. There's another time that they were out on the sea in a ship in, in a stormy ocean. This time, though, Jesus was asleep on board. <laughs> and the disciples are out there thinking, doesn't he care that we're about to die, that we're about to perish, that the boat's going down? So they go wake him up and they even ask him, you know, don't, don't you care that we're facing this? And Jesus gets up and he walks out and he says, peace be still, and it stops. They get your attention. It did Peter's. He responded, I'm a sinful man. It's why he responded when he, when he recognized the authority and the power that Jesus had. So Jesus had helped them with a storm while he was on the boat. But now Jesus needs to teach them that he can help them when they're in a storm, even when he's not directly with them. Because you see, there's coming a time that Jesus is going to ascend to go back to heaven. And he wouldn't be literally in their presence, but the disciples would have much ministry to do, and they would face storms because of that ministry. And they needed to learn the lesson that Jesus was with them no matter what. So one thing that can help us when we face storms, one assurance we can glean, will be if we tell ourselves, Jesus may have put me here for a reason. And if you will have that mindset, no matter what the storm is, if you'll keep telling yourself, Jesus is allowing me to go through this for a reason and have the expectation that somehow Jesus is going to show up, it sure will help you get through the storm. The second assurance that we can have for ourselves as we're facing storms in life is this. We need to have faith that Jesus is praying while we're in the storm, while you're in the storm. 
We keep reading the story, verse 23 and 24. And after he had dismissed the crowds, Jesus told everyone to go home. No more free food tonight. He went up on the mountain, as he often would, by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So now pick up on some things. Jesus sent them away. Evening comes, he is up on the mountain praying. So some time has passed. And they're out now in in the middle of the water. And they're out there struggling with with the rowing as they try and get on the other side of this storm. John gives us some pertinent information in John chapter 6, verse 21, when he says this, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Now, and here's the significance of that. John is making it abundantly clear this miracle is authentic. Because all the people there only saw one boat. The disciples got on it. They left. Jesus didn't. But you know what's going to happen now when they go looking for Jesus the next day? They're going to find him on the other side of the ocean. They're going to go get in boats and go looking for him, but they want some more free food. And they're going to find him on the other side. How did he get there? Not by boat. He walked on the water. That's just to verify this miracle being true. Mark also gives us some important information to factor into this story. And he saw, talking about Jesus up on the mountain while he's praying, and he, Jesus, saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. So while the disciples were out there in the dark, out there facing this storm, here's what we're told. Jesus is up there on the mountain, and he is praying. That ought to encourage us in our own lives. When we're facing storms in our lives, difficulty in our lives, because the same Jesus that was on the mountain for them praying has ascended and he sat down at the right hand of God and he's making intercession for us today. And the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit of God also indwells us and he prays for us with prayers that we don't even know how to pray ourselves. When you're facing a storm, be encouraged by the fact that that Jesus is praying for you, that he's up there on the mountain praying for you. Don't imagine this. I think we're prone to do something like this in our lives. We're going through difficulties. We start thinking, well, Jesus, you must not care. Or maybe you don't see or you don't know what's going on. Don't imagine when you're facing a storm in your life that Jesus doesn't know, that Jesus doesn't see, or that Jesus doesn't care. They're over in the middle of the sea. Jesus is up on the mountain. The Bible's not necessarily telling us Jesus looked down and saw them out there in the middle of the sea. They've gone some distance by this point. And yet Jesus is up there praying for them. And that ought to intimate to us this. There's not anything, any barrier, any time, or any distance that can separate us from the care and observation of Jesus. Amen? Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, don't imagine because he's off in heaven now, he can't see you. Because he sees exactly what you're going through. We need to be encouraged by the fact that Jesus is praying for us. 
If I were to tell you this morning that Jesus is literally sitting in my office and he's in there and he's sitting there praying for you right now, would that not encourage you? Hey, this is even more significant. He's not in my office. He's seated at the right hand of the Father after going to the cross for us and taking his life back up. He ascended, he sat down in heaven, and even though he is in heaven, he sees us, he knows us, he cares for us, he understands what we're going through, and he's there making intercession for us. Amen? We need to remind ourselves when we're going through difficulties in our lives that that Jesus is praying for us. This gives us a dramatic picture of kind of the church today, I think. God's people are in a sea of culture. And we're facing storms here in this world. Yet Jesus is in heaven. Romans 8 tells us he's there making intercession for us. Romans 8 tells us the Holy Spirit prays for us with with groanings that can't even be uttered. Jesus is praying for us while we're in the storm. And Jesus sees his followers and he knows their circumstances. We read that in Mark chapter 6 verse 48 a moment ago. And on top of that, to seal off the deal... The Bible tells us he's our high priest who has been touched and understands our infirmities in Hebrews. He has faced what you face. He knows what you're going through. He's been tempted like you've been tempted without, but yet he without sin. He is a sympathetic high priest because he understands, because he came in the flesh and he faced the same types of things that we face in this world. And he is our high priest, is in heaven praying for us. Man, that ought to encourage you when you're facing storms. Our problem is, I think partly, is that many, mis- many believers have the mistaken idea that obedience to God's will produces smooth sailing. If you obey God, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be nice. The sea's just going to look like, a, like glass out there, smooth, not, not any issues. But that's not... The reality, because Jesus told us up front, as we looked at last week, in the world you shall have tribulation, in John 16, verse 33. Just because you obey Jesus don't mean you won't be in a storm. In fact, you may be in more of a storm because you obey Jesus. But we need to remember he brought us there for a reason, and we need to remember he's praying for us. The third assurance we can glean for ourselves as we look at this story about Jesus coming to the disciples as they're facing a storm out on the sea, is this. We also need to have faith that Jesus can come to you in the midst of the storm. Don't somehow delude yourself into thinking Jesus only speaks to you and comes to you in the good times of life. Or you can only hear him or experience him when things are great in your life. No, Jesus can come to you right in the midst of the storm. Right in the worst part of it, he can come to you. The Bible says this, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. The fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. Now go back to what I told you earlier. Jesus put the disciples in a boat, told them to go away. He sent the crowds away. Then he goes up on the mountain, and then it's evening. Man, they've been out here fighting this storm for a while. They've been out there toiling and rowing is the way some translations put it as they're trying to make it through to the other side. And what happens here is that Jesus comes in that darkest hour when they're ready to give up. He comes to them walking on the water, on that storm. 
The Old Testament time after time again talks about God having authority over the oceans. He set the boundaries where the seas would be, where the oceans would be, the Bible tells us. He has authority over the seas and authority over the oceans. So we have a picture here of the deity of Christ. God in the flesh as he has authority over the sea and authority over this storm. And he walks over these waves as he comes to them. Don't you imagine even though they were fishermen, they were afraid? Don't you imagine that maybe they were really tired at this point and maybe they were ready to, to give up? But it's in the midst of this storm, this dangerous storm, after much labor and toil that Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And that's what we need to remind ourselves of. Jesus may not show up when we think he ought to show up, but Jesus can come to us right in the midst of our storm and he can help us in the storms of life that we face. We need to remember and tell ourselves this. Here's your next buzz phrase. Jesus can come to me right in the midst of my storm. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, Jesus has the authority and the power to come to you. We tend to have an attitude sometimes to where we, we think that Jesus has diverted us or deserted us rather when we're going through terrible storms in our life, difficult times in our life. And that's human. David thought that. David in the Psalms many times would say, God, where are you at? God, why are you letting me face these things? We saw in a message several weeks ago that, that the, the great apostle Paul, he, he said this in 2 Corinthians 1.8, that he was burdened excessively beyond strength so that he despaired even of life. And yet God came to them and God delivered them and God helped them. And we need to have the same faith that God can show up and help us right in the midst of our storm. If you're in a storm, don't get down and out. Instead, anticipate that Jesus can come to you in that storm. Look what Isaiah said. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, God is with you. If you are a Christian, if you're his child, he is with you. He may not show up when you think he should, but he'll show up. Why did he wait this late for the disciples to show up? Just maybe this is why. He let them exhaust all human means. He let them struggle and figure out that they could not do it. And he waited until the ship was far from land and all human hope seemed to be gone. And then Jesus showed up and made a difference. Hey, if you feel like you're about to lose hope because of something you're facing in your life, don't give up. You need to hold of the possibility and tell yourself that Jesus can show up. Hey, in fact, let's be doctrinally correct. In fact, if you're a Christian, Jesus has already showed up. Amen? If you're a Christian, he's already present with you. Whatever you face, wherever you go, he indwells you by his Spirit. So don't tell yourself as you're facing storms that you're doing it all alone. I'm going to allude to some things like this about three times in the message today, but we also have a picture here of, of the church today, as I alluded to earlier. Christ is on the mountain praying while the disciples are battling this storm on a lake. And for us, that's a picture of Jesus in heaven interceding for us while we fight the storms that we face in this life and in this earth. His coming might seem a long way off. And yet just at the darkest hour, one day he's going to show up. 
and take the church to our destination. Amen? And take us out of the storms of this world and take us to our destination. Assurance number four when we're facing storms in life. Have faith that Jesus can not only come to you, but that Jesus can speak to your fears right in the midst of the storm. The things that you're afraid of, the things that are, are terrorizing you, Jesus can speak to those fears. He can even use those fears as a means to speak to you. Matthew 14, verse 26 and 27. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. I'll say a little bit about that in a moment. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. They're out there in the midst of this storm. They've been trying the best they can for hours. Toiling in the middle of this storm. And yet Jesus shows up and he comes to them in the middle of the storm. They didn't have comfort to begin with because they thought it was a ghost. Matter of fact, now they've got two things to be afraid of. <laughs> They're in the middle of a storm and now it looks like there's a ghost walking to them. Now the word for ghost doesn't mean what you might think it would mean. It's not talking about the departed spirit of a human being because the particular word that's used here in the scriptures in the Greek talks about something else. It was even used to talk about spells and magic. It, it, it's talking about a, a, an apparition or a specter. It's a different word that's translated the spirit of someone who had died. So here's the picture. They're afraid because of the storm, but now they're afraid because it looked like there's something evil coming their way that's out there on the water. And, and they are terrified with fear. But then when they cry out, Jesus responds to them and he says, don't be afraid, it's me. Literally, he, he said, take heart, it's I, don't be afraid. You ought to love this word study. <laughs> when Jesus said, it is I, he used a phrase in the Bible that means the I am, the great I am. When Jesus said, it is I, he used a phrase that means I, Yahweh, which means God, I'm here with you. The great I am that I am. Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, it's me, Jesus, the one you've been following for three years. Jesus is saying, God, I am with you. I am the Lord and I am here with you. As he used this great I am statement. And we need to hold to that in our faith as we face difficulties and problems and storms in our lives. Instead of being paralyzed by fear, we need to recognize this. Jesus is with us as believers. Amen? God himself is with us, and he can come to us right in the midst of our storm. He can speak to our fears by words, but he can also speak to our fears with more than words. We need to remind ourselves this. We need to remind ourselves Jesus can speak to our fears right in the midst of the storm we're facing. It doesn't have to be smooth sailing and a good day for you, for Jesus to speak to you. I find in my life, and some of you probably, most of you ought to kind of shake your head and agree, I discover he speaks to me a whole lot more when things are bad. Amen? Because I'm listening a lot better when things are bad. When I'm facing storms, in my life. Jesus can use words, but he can also use more than words. 
why did Jesus choose to do it like this? Remember who he is. He's God in the flesh. He upon the mountain could have said, peace be still. And the storm would have stopped. Why did he decide to come to them walking on the water? I think it might be for this reason. To show his disciples the very thing they feared, which was this stormy sea, was only a staircase for him to come to them and speak to their fears. Think about that. Think about that when you're going through difficulties and storms in your life. The very thing that has you paralyzed with fear, that same thing is no challenge for Jesus. That same thing can be a pathway or a staircase or an avenue for Jesus to walk into your life and encourage you and strengthen your faith. He can walk above the things that terrorize you, the things that are making you fearful. He can walk above those things. A lot of times we, we fear difficult experiences in life. We fear surgery sometimes. We fear bereavement when someone dies. We fear disease when we're told about the disease or even the possibility of a disease. We fear financial problems or maybe upheaval in our nation. We, we, we can fear those types of things. But what I found in my life, as I make it through those things, I've discovered that Jesus used those things to draw me closer to him. Jesus used those things to speak to me in special ways. F.B. Meyer, who is a renowned theologian from years ago, wrote this. Jesus uses the element we dread as a path for his approach. Now, I'll keep reading what he said in a minute, but I want you to think about that. Jesus uses the element or the thing we dread as a pathway for his approach to our lives. Keep reading. The waves were in danger in the boat, but Jesus walked on them. In our lives are people and circumstances we dread, but it is through these things that the greatest blessing of our lives will come if we look through them to Christ. He can speak to your fears by words. He can speak to your fears by his actions, by walking over the very things that you're afraid of. You might can put it like this. Your fears are the very pathway Jesus uses to draw closer to you. Your fears are the very pathway that Jesus uses to draw closer to you. Number five, assurance. As we're facing storms in our lives, I already told you we'd talk about this early in the message as we close out. But if you're facing a storm in your life, you need to have the assurance of this. You need to have faith that Jesus is using the storm to increase your faith. The first point in the message this morning was this. He had you in the storm for a purpose, for a reason. Now let's talk a little bit more about some specific reasons. Here, I think we get a picture of Jesus having the disciples in this storm as a teaching lesson, as an opportunity for him to increase their faith. The Bible said, beginning in verse 28, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He, Jesus, had come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, we're going to slow down just a minute and break these verses down with some subtopics to help us see how Jesus can use the storm and increase our faith when we're going through storms in life. There's several vital lessons we can learn here about facing storms. Here's the first one. The storm should do this. The storm should compel you to be closer to Jesus. Going through fearful times in your life, life storms, difficulties in your life, those circumstances ought to compel you to be closer to Jesus instead of further away from him. The Bible tells us, Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, we criticize Peter a lot of times because Peter got out on the water and he's walking to Jesus. But then, oh, Peter, a little faith. He starts looking over here at the storm and the waves and he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. So a lot of times that's the focus that people have here. And that is true. That did happen. But I want to point something out to you. Peter's the only one that had the faith to ask Jesus to invite him to walk on the water to him. He's the only one that had the, the desire, evidently, to do that, the faith to do it. Now, why? We can debate that. Maybe Peter wanted to show off. I think Peter was a show off sometimes, don't you? He'd stick his foot in his mouth. Jesus, I don't care what all the rest of these disciples do. I'll never deny you, but he did three times that night. So maybe he just thought, I'll show off here. Jesus, if you let me walk out of here, I'm going to show off in front of these disciples. If so, maybe that's why he started sinking when he got there and took his eyes off Jesus. But just maybe this was his desire. Just maybe Peter thought, hey, he's walking on the water. He's above this storm. I'm safer the closer I can get to Jesus than I am staying here on my own boat. You're always safer the closer you can get to Jesus when you're facing a storm than you are staying in your own man-made boat. Second lesson we can learn is this. The storm gives you an opportunity to obey and walk with Jesus. The storm gives you an opportunity. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to come to Jesus. When Jesus said, come, Peter could have bowed up and said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not coming. But he doesn't do that. He obeys and he gets out of the boat in obedience and he goes walking on the water to come to Jesus. When we're facing storms in life, that is an opportunity. That's a great time. That's a better time when times are smooth in your life. For you to display your faith and your obedience and walk as close to Jesus as you can through the storm that you're going through. Here's why. If Jesus had just put the boat on shore and Peter said, Jesus asked me to get out of this boat and walk to you on dry land. Well, that wouldn't have impressed anybody, would it? That wouldn't have gained the attention of anyone. But when Peter has the faith to say in the midst of this stormy sea, invite me to come out and walk to you, and he does that, I guarantee you that got the attention of those other disciples. Now here's why I point that out. When you're going through a storm in your life, that's a perfect opportunity for you to be obedient and display faith in your life because that's when the people around you that are watching you will go, wow. 
How in the world can they obey Christ with what they're facing? How in the world can they walk with Jesus in what they're going through? You see, when things are calm in our lives, and it's smooth sailing, it's pretty easy to try and obey God a lot of times. It's pretty easy to try and walk with Him when we're not facing difficulties, but it's when those problems hit. And we're willing to be obedient and walk with Him anyway. That's what gains the attention of others. When they can see us doing that. We have the opportunity to be obedient. Yeah, I know that's not the rest of the story. I know Peter's going to have a lapse of faith. And we do sometimes also. But his intentions are pure. He hears Jesus and he tries to obey Jesus. And that's a call for us in the midst of the storm. To hear Jesus and do our best to obey Jesus. Third thing we need to draw out from this, third lesson we need to draw out is this. The storm, when you're going through a storm, you need to understand up front, that storm will threaten your focus upon Jesus. That storm wants to gain your attention. That's the way Satan wants to use difficulties in your life. He wants you to take your eyes off Jesus. He wants you to turn your eyes and completely focus upon your circumstances. He he wants you to get discouraged and despondent and depressed because of what you're going through. He wants you to take your eyes off Jesus and look at the storm. It's what he's wanting you to do. The storm will do that. The storm will threaten our focus. Verse 30 says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out. Lord, save me. See, our lesson is this. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and stay focused upon our faith in Him, even when we're going through the storms of life. Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at the storm Jesus walked into. He walked into the storm of Calvary. He took the sin of all mankind upon Himself, and He was nailed to the cross. That's who we need to look to when we're facing storms. We need to keep our attention focused upon Jesus. Instead of looking at the threatening storm, we need to stay focused upon the one that walks above the storms. The one that can help us and deliver us. Peter messed up, took his eyes off Jesus, and started to sink. When we mess up and we'll take our eyes off Jesus, we'll start to sink in the midst of the storms of life. But we need to do what Peter did. Peter cried out to him and said, Lord, save me. And that's exactly what Jesus does, which brings us to this. The storm is also an opportunity for Jesus to take action. The storm is also an opportunity for Jesus to take action. When you're facing a storm in your life, view it as this is a chance for Jesus to show up. This is a chance for God to show up. This is an opportunity for God to show up in the midst of what I'm facing and anticipate that and look for it and pray for it. He may not show up instantly like you want him to, but if you keep your focus upon, I think he's going to show up, I think he's going to help, I think he's going to show up, it sure is a lot better than just worrying about the storm. If you'll keep your focus upon him. Jesus immediately, when Peter cried out, reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Storms are an opportunity for Jesus to show up and take action. I want you to notice some things Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't look at Peter and say, Peter, that's on you. Peter, I got you out here. 
I invited you to come to me. You were keeping your eyes on me, but you took your eyes off of me. So it's your fault you're sinking, so I, I'm sorry. You're, you, know, you did that to yourself. But that's not what Jesus did. Thank God Jesus is merciful. Amen? Thank God he's merciful. Thank God he's gracious. Because you and I multiple times have taken our eyes off the Lord, haven't we? Even in, especially in storms a lot of times we have. Taking our eyes off the Lord. Thank God that he is still willing to, to reach out to us when we cry out to him. Oh, yeah, he did chasten Peter. He, he said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? The word doubt means this that's used here in this particular instance. The word doubt that Jesus used here in the Greek, it carries the meaning of standing uncertainly at two ways. So think about that. It's, it's like you're standing at a crossroad as you're facing a storm in your life. You can keep your eyes on Jesus, or you can go the other way. You can keep your eyes on Jesus and keep faith in Him as you're going through the storm, or you can look at your circumstances and forget that Jesus is even there. That's a good picture of what doubt is. And what Jesus calls us to is to keep our attention focused upon Him instead of worrying about the storm and staying focused on the storm. Jesus helped Peter in the midst of that sinking situation he was in, in this sea, and he walked Peter safely to the boat. John six twenty one. I alluded to it earlier. Let me read it to you. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. I would have been too, amen? <laughs> Remember what happened last time he was in the boat? Peace be still. The storm stopped. Now they see Jesus walking on top of that storm, and they see him help Peter and carry Peter by the hand over to the boat. I would have been happy also. They were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. First speedboat in history. Amen. Jesus gets on board and boom, they're at the other side. The storm also will do this for us. The storm subsided. In other words, once we get on the other side of the storm, the storm subsided gives motivation to worship Jesus. The Bible says in verse 33, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, I want you to see something. There's a progression of faith in the disciples in this story. In verse 27, Jesus said, it is I. Remember when he said it was I, what was it a claim of? It was a claim of deity. An I am statement. Peter said, in response to Jesus saying, it is I, Peter said, if it is you, but then here at the end of the story, after Jesus grabs Peter by the hand and walks into the boat and he gets on board, all of them say, truly you are who you said you are. You said that you were the Yahweh. You said that you were the great I am. And truly you are 
Because we watched you walk upon this storm and take Peter by the hand and walk him back. In the moment they got on the boat, the storm ceased and they were instantly at their destination, at their location where Jesus has sent them. See, facing storms with Jesus can do the same thing for us. Facing storms with Jesus can increase our faith as we make it through storms, as we face more storms, and we make it through those additional storms by faith in Jesus. We're given increasing motivation to worship Jesus. R.A. Torrey wrote this, The first result of walking with God is great joy, abounding joy, and secondly, a great sense of security of abiding peace. They experience joy and they experience security. And we can ourselves, as we trust in Jesus through storms in life. Don't let the storms you're facing rob you of your joy. I'm afraid we're prone to do this. I'm afraid we're prone sometimes to be going through bad storms in, during the week. And yes, Sunday comes up and we're coming in here. and We're supposed to come in and focus our attention upon Jesus and worship Him. But I think a lot of times what we do is come in and we're all bitter and we're beat up and banged up from the week. And we come in and we kind of sit like this and think, it's been a bad week. I don't feel like worshiping nobody. When instead, we ought to remind ourselves we're still alive. <laughs> You made it through the storm so far, and you need to worship Him because He's the one that will get you through it. He's the one that can help you with the storms in life. We need to have faith that Jesus is using the storm to increase our faith. We can gain assurance in the storms of life if we remember, and here's our buzzword, Jesus is using this storm to increase my faith. To help my faith in Jesus grow. I think that's the whole purpose of the story. I think it's the whole purpose of the storm. Jesus knew it was coming. He put them in the boat because he wanted to teach them some important lessons. He wanted to increase their faith. And Jesus wants to do the same thing in our lives as we face storms in our lives. He wants to increase our faith. This present age that we live in. As a believer and as a church, there's going to be storms for us in the world that we live in. It appears to me, as I talked about persecution last week, it appears to me that just maybe that's growing more and more significant. The storms that we may have to face as Christians. If we obey the Word of God, if we stay obedient to Jesus, I can promise you you're going to face some storms. But you're a lot better off facing the storm with Jesus than you are trying to avoid the storm outside of God's will. You're a lot better to stay obedient. I told you about three times this morning I was going to talk about this as a picture of the church. Once again, this story gives us a portrait of the events of church history. Remember the story that we're reading about? Jesus had fed the 5,000. But if you read the story closely, Jesus didn't just say, poof, there's bread and fish on your table. Jesus gave it to the disciples. And the disciples carried out the bread and the fish. Jesus has left us here to dispense the bread of life. He's left us here to share the gospel. And as we're trying to do that in a world that has contrary winds to us, 
We will face persecution. We will face dangerous times. We will, we will face storms sometimes. In this story, the king withdrew himself from the disciples and went on top of a mountain. But also the king reappeared and saved him out of the storm. Jesus has ascended. He sat down at the right hand of God the Father, but he knows what we're going through. And thank God one day he's going to come and he's going to take us out of the storm and take us to the destination that he has for us. Amen. Well, I'll be able to say hallelujah. What a savior. That one day he's coming and he's getting us out of the storms of life. All I'm trying to do today is encourage you to hold on and to have faith when you're going through a storm. The secret is having faith. Think think about this. Doubt and fear always go together. Doubt and fear always go together. But faith and peace also always go together. Faith in Christ and the peace that we can have in our hearts as a result of that. We need to guard against being little faith Christians. We need to have this mindset, whatever it is, Jesus can see me through. Jesus will see me through. You can't help but have fears. Fear is a positive thing sometimes, that you have the capacity to be afraid of things. But we can't avoid being paralyzed by fear when we're facing storms in our life. You need to remember as you're facing storms in your life, that just maybe God sent it for a purpose. That Jesus has allowed you to be in this storm for a reason. You need to remember that Jesus is praying for you. You need to remember that Jesus can come to you right in the midst of how terrible the storm might be. You need to remember that Jesus can speak peace to you right in the middle of all the problems that you're facing. And you need to remember that just maybe this storm is there to increase your faith. To help you appreciate Jesus more and His deliverance more and help you worship Him more. One thing that I didn't say earlier that I want to close by pointing out. I did mention about Peter stepping out of the boat and the others not doing so. The display of Jesus' authority, the display of Peter seeing Jesus walking on the water encouraged Peter to attempt to do the impossible. Some of you have done a lot of things on the water. Some of you have been crazy enough to get on a float or a ski and let Lynn Crump be driving the boat. I've been there before. First time I did it, he was bound to try and kill me, I think, that day. Had a young teenage girl, this is years ago, that was there. First time she had ever been to a youth event. I'm holding on, and he's bound and determined to get me off of him. I'm bound and determined to hold on to it. I'm trying my best to hold on to it to keep from being thrown off of that raft that we're on. And then I had this reality. If I don't turn loose, my trunks are gone. (laughs) So in the interest of this young girl being there the first time, I thought, I better turn loose. Yeah. So a lot of you have maybe done some things out on the water, skiing and things like that. There's not a single person here that can step out on a stormy sea and walk above the water. But Peter said, I'll try. Peter was encouraged to do the impossible by the display of Jesus walking on the water. Now think about that for a minute. Y'all know where I'm going. If Peter was encouraged to do the impossible, we ought to be encouraged to do the impossible. Amen. 
But we have more evidence than Jesus walking on the water. We have the evidence that he came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, and on the third day he took his life back up. We've got the evidence of that kind of power and authority in Jesus. And with that evidence that we have today, we ought to be challenged to do the impossible for Jesus. We ought to be challenged to step out on faith and try and walk with Him in the midst of the storm. Will we fall? Yes. Will we get distracted by the storm? Yes. Will we follow through and, and stay always on top of the waves? No, because we're human. We will falter and we will fall just like Peter did. But we ought to try. And when you're facing storms in your life, you need to remember something that Peter wrote a few years later. Peter wrote these words. Casting all your anxieties on Him. Casting all your anxieties on Him. Because He cares for you. Let's pray. Father, once again, we, we admit to you that many times we're fearful. We ask you to forgive us for the times we're paralyzed by fear. Forgive us when we look at the storms of life, the things that it seems like we're facing in our life, the atmosphere of the world we live in, whatever it might be. God, forgive us when we allow those things to paralyze us. Father, I pray you help us to to go away from this place today with these reminders, with these assurances, as we face difficulties and storms in our life. Help us to remember to tell ourselves that you might have brought us here into this storm for a reason. Help us to remember that you're praying for us. Help us to anticipate that you can come to us in the midst of the storm. As we're facing storms in life, help us to recognize that you can speak to our fears, both by words and by your actions. Father, help us to remember that as we're going through these storms in life, you, you want to use them to increase our faith in you. Father, I pray you help us to step out of our boats. You help us to step out by faith. Help us to be obedient and to walk with you no matter what we're facing in our world and in our lives. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning that may not have trusted in Christ as Savior. Father, I pray you help them to understand they're in a boat of their own making called sin, and they, and they can't take care of it. They can't row their way out of the storm that they're in. But Father, give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus that walks above the storm. Jesus that took the storm of sin upon himself. Jesus that died on the cross for them, that through faith in him, they can have everlasting life. And Father, I pray for believers in this place this morning. Lord, I'm aware of some that are facing storms and some of what the storms look like that they're in. But Father, there are many here, no doubt, that are facing things that I have no awareness of, but you do. You know each and every trial. You know each and every circumstance. Father, just give them the faith to look to Jesus and trust Him in the midst of the storm. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. The band plays this morning. We have this time we call an invitation. 
If you don't know Christ as your Savior, why not let today be the day you step out of the boat? Step out of that boat of your own self-sufficiency. Step out of that boat of your own imagined good works. Step out of that boat of your sin, because the Bible says all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And step by faith to Jesus and trust in Him and believe in Him. So if you don't know Christ, why not let today be the day that you step out of the boat? And if you know Him, I prayed a moment ago, I know some of you are facing challenges, some of the things that I see you'll put on Facebook sometimes, or just some of the things I know your family's struggling with because of illness or disease or whatever it might be. Bereavement. Why not in this time, either by kneeling and praying here at the front or standing where you are and praying and say, Jesus, help me to remember when I'm facing storms to keep my eyes on you. Please stand. Listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.